Okay, Albert. So, this is a question that we talked about briefly the other day, but if you were the editor-in-chief of Marvel or DC or Valiant or whatever, what is the one edict that you would mandate to all of your creative teams? So this could be something like, for example, dead means dead, so or no resurrections, or... Uh, you know, something along those lines where everybody has to adhere to your rule. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what I said was that if I was the editor of a comic book company, uh, publisher, I, my, my edict would be that I would not want there to be any large-scale events um except for every four years. So I, I'd want it to be like the Olympics, essentially. Yeah. Um, in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of... We've seen the comic book studios make a lot of money. We've seen a lot of the comic book uh, publishers make a lot of money from just bombarding us with events over and over again. And maybe in the short term, there's some gain in that. But for a reader, an avid reader at that, it gets tiresome, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, they're constantly telling us that there's going to be wide-changing events that are going to alter the status quo of their universe, but you have to realize in comic book time, uh, like, in real time, there's maybe like 12, maybe 13, 14 issues a year, depending on, you know, what's going on at the time of a particular comic. But that's really... Some comics are double shipping also. Oh yeah, some com comics might be double shipping. But in re in, uh, in their time, that's that's maybe enough for one or two... Or not one, uh, like two, maybe three arcs if you're doing, you know, four-issue story arcs. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't really leave us the opportunity to really marinate in the new status quo that they develop, especially when the events don't even necessarily start a year away. Uh, like, after one event starts, within a few months, you have to realize it takes... A, a, an event comic is usually, like, six issues or something like that, so they gotta get that ready for the next coming year. Yeah. So you don't even really get a chance to really live with... Uh, in, in, to really, like, be in this new world, to immerse yourself yeah. until they're ready to throw another huge event at you that's supposed to change the world. So, I do think that it makes more sense to just kind of space them out uh, more and just really give yourself a chance to appreciate the characters and their stories and let them develop on their own. And when it's time to, you know, rein them all in for your big event, whatever it may be, I, I think as readers we'll appreciate it more. And It'll be better for business in the long haul because you'll get more consistent business out of the readers that you do have as opposed to just hammering them with things that they need to buy. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, like the that edict also wouldn't necessarily eliminate something like crossovers or smaller, you know, smaller title events. Yeah. I, like I, like I, I can still see, you know, like a Spider-Man mini-event or something like that, you know, but within his own books. 
Yes. Or, you know, again... Like Spider Island? Island? Yeah, something or like that. Spider Geddon? Yeah. Or Venomverse? <sighs> yeah. Not those, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, You're talking strictly like your Civil Wars, Secret Invasion. Yeah, exactly. Like, company-wide. Com- yeah, yeah, like, company-wide events is not something that we have to have every year. Um, yeah, like, even something along the lines of, like, Round Robin or something is fine, or... Mm-hmm. Uh, Revenge of the Sinister Six. Like, stuff like that back in the day was fun, and, like, it all happened within, like, one book. Yeah. That you could just kind so of... So you're, you're fine with characters crossing over, guest starring. Yeah. But, but uh, it's just these line-wide events that are... Yeah, where, like, you have to interject yourself into whatever the regular story yeah. for, of, of, like, every book for that, uh... For those couple, for those months that the events are going on. Yeah, I still, like, re- I still remember when uh, Infinite Crisis came out. There were some comics that DC was publishing where they had the the banner the, or whatever. It was either a banner or just something in the corner that said in- Infinite Crisis tie-in. Tie in, yeah. But then when you read the comic, the only thing that it really tied into was the fact that the sky was red. Yeah, you know, like yeah. because the world was ending or something, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. sky was red, and it just—it was just one of those situations where it's obvious that the creative team felt like they were being disruptive. They didn't want to have to tell some story that had nothing to do with the story that they had been telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the worst thing about events <laughs> is that they really can be disruptive to whatever the story is. Yeah, it's various ongoing series. Yeah, ima- okay, let's imagine that you're a writer for a comic and you have this vision. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell this complete comprehensive story in 12 issues, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But then that year there's an event. Now I have to take one to two issues. Even more, possibly. Yeah, or potentially even more to, to stop telling the story that I'm in the middle of telling just so that I can talk about oh, this is what's happening to Batman while the rest of the universe is going crazy. I mean, he was in the middle of solving a murder, but, you know, (laughs) this is what's going on. Yeah. And it's, as a reader, that's jarring. You know, it's just, it's... It's more of a nuisance than a celebration. Yeah, absolutely. If if the company's actually held to your mandate, then the events would feel special. There would be some something spectacular about them. Yeah. They'd be like the Olympics. Yeah. People don't really watch people doing pole decathlon or, or pole vault yeah. or track and field events. But if you if it's the Olympics, then yeah, we'll watch some gymnastics. We'll yeah, watch yeah, yeah. swimming. Exactly. We'll watch all these sports that we never really... Yeah. Truly don't actually there, care about. We're not... Yeah, there aren't... We're not... I have yet to meet a person who's, you know... a like, a curling aficionado. I'm sure there are some people out there, but, yeah. you know, your day-to-day, your average person, there's, yeah. there's no one out there who's got a jersey on, like, man, I can't wait for that next curling season to start! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to meet that person, though. Actually, I would, too. Just, Just to meet someone that enthusiastic yeah. about... Something so obscure. I want them to have a giant foam finger yeah. and, like, just, you know, just, I want them constantly referencing teams and just kind of 
trying to pick fights about, you know, <laughs> which curling team is the best. The curling hooligan. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill. It's Bill over there. He's just... <laughs> he just likes getting rowdy. <laughs> what about you, Drew? What's your edict? See, I'm jealous that you came up with yours, because I think that's a really good edict. Uh, it's the one. It's one that makes a lot of sense, and I would definitely support that. So, Ray was the one who asked me this question uh, a while ago, and I, I think when I what I told him then uh, is probably still my answer now. It's just kind of something I came up with off the cuff, but you know how um, at the, back in the '80s when Alan Moore was doing uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, mm -hmm. the Superman story. Yeah. So that, that story uh, had this <coughs> tagline, this slogan attached to it, right? It was, this is just, this is an imaginary story, aren't they all? Yeah. And I think I would want to make that the edict in the sense that I want, I would want all my creative teams to be comfortable knowing that they don't have to be slaves to continuity or beholden to, you know, micromanaging, um, the events in their comic with the events in every single other person's comic. Yeah. Because I don't really feel like superhero comics need to be official biographies of the recorded history of yeah. every single character that exists under that publisher. I would rather just have them concentrate on telling the best stories they can. You know, like if I could have my... Like basically my edict is tell good stories. Yeah. You know, make good comics. That's not really much of an edict. But, but I think when you give creators carte blanche to do whatever they want, usually that brings out uh, the best in them. Where, you know, they don't have to be concerned about, again, like, sometimes these kind of, the event comics come into play where, you know, I'm just going to say, hey, we have an event. If you want to participate, you, you can. But yeah. if you're just going to do your thing, you can completely ignore what's happening here. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, I think, like, there's certain things about continuity that I would preserve. I'm not saying that I have no regard for continuity whatsoever, but there are certain things where I really don't think they matter too much, especially when you're talking about continuity between different series. Yeah. It's not it's not quite as important to me. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you had a story where, I don't know, it, it all takes place in the same scene and in one... In one panel, you got Captain America wearing red boots. And then in the very next scene, which takes place in the same moment, he's wearing brown sandals. Yeah. That'd be weird. Like, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. be down with that. That's... I gotta have, like, story... You have to have some kind continuity. of consistency. Yeah, there, there should yeah. be... There should be internal continuity and consistency. Or, you know... Or even something where it's like, okay... The guy who's written Captain America decides that yeah. Sam Wilson is Captain <clears throat> America. So if anybody else is going to write Captain America in their comic, they either got to make a note to remind themselves that it's Sam Wilson, yeah. or if they're going to use the old cap, they got to have one of those old editorial notes where it says, this, this story before. takes place before yeah. such and such issue, you know? Like, then, you know, that can lead to all sorts of confusing stuff if, you know, a continuity pornographer were to really sit down and examine... Yeah, and try to read every single issue in the order of, in the chronological order of yeah. the story. And there are people like that. There are people like that, but I don't respect them. I don't 
I don't have them either. I don't have love for. I don't want to. They're not people that I. I don't want to appease them. Yeah, and I was gonna say I don't like the fact that I share a fandom with them. Like I, <laughs> I like it's already tiresome enough for me to acknowledge that I share the world with them, let alone something like comics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, man. What about something along the lines of like something like um, oh the Flash can run this fast in this one story written by this one writer, but mm-hmm. then in this other story, you know he can't, or like he's not able to outrun this particular vehicle. Or oh, something okay. Like that. Uh, what about that sort of consistency or continuity? Um. Yeah, I think that would be, I think, I hate to be wishy-washy on it, I would probably, my gut instinct would probably be to say it's a case-by-case basis, I see. Uh, depending on the story, but I, I do think that in terms of power levels and keeping the characters consistent across the board, yeah. I mean, I would want to, I would prefer to have consistency there, like if, let's say, whoever's writing Superman yeah. has Superman strong enough to the point where he can push planets out of orbit yeah. Or goes or go so fast you can uh, go back in time or something. Yeah. And then you have another. Let's say, let's let's say that's an action comics, right? And then yeah. let's say in Justice League that same month, he's struggling. Superman, he can he, he can barely lift a mountain or something, yeah. right? Like that. I think that would that would kind of irk me. I would I would want consistency in yeah. terms of just saying, oh, okay, this is supposed to be the same character. Let's let's try to keep it consistent, but. You know, if if it's some really good writer who's got a point to all that, if he's, I don't know, let's say it's Joe Kelly or somebody writing his Justice League story and it wouldn't work if Superman could turn back time, then I'm willing to turn a blind eye to it. Okay, okay. You're more reasonable and logical than a lot of comics fans, yeah, a lot I'll, of the worst comic I wouldn't, fans. I wouldn't be like, time out. You gotta rewrite your script. Excuse me! (laughs) 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 That's not how Superman's powers work. (laughs) Don't you know anything about Superman? Dear idiots at Marvel! (laughs) (laughs) Superman's not even Marvel! I mean, that's, I think that's, in terms of continuity and consistency, that is, like, power levels is one of the harder things to, like, reconcile. Heck, it's hard to, to be consistent with power levels when it comes to stories, to characters within the same story, you know? Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, I just think about, again, going back to, to movies, to, to, like, the Marvel movies. Yeah. Sometimes you got characters, they seem like they can handle a lot, and all of a sudden... They, they get knocked out with the punch or something. Yeah. It, it's weird. Or sometimes sometimes you have a scene like Captain America getting beaten around by a normal guy like Crossbones yeah. and he's struggling. And then in some other movie, yeah. he, he gets slapped by Thanos and he gets back up. Yeah. And you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> Thanos yeah. was beating up the Hulk. Yeah. He was yeah. pulverizing the Hulk. Yeah. How can he punch Captain America and Captain America doesn't even have broken bones or internal hemorrhaging? Exactly. Realistically speaking, Cap should just be a head 
with guts coming out of the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure guts are inside your head, but... <laughs> well, I assume that if he punches his torso, that they go up... Oh, like just if, if Thanos comes out the uppercut or punch him <laughs> yeah. in the stomach? Yeah. They, he would just explode like a packet of ketchup. Like, all, all of Captain America's intestines should be flying out of his ears. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he in Civil War, he's taken on, you know, granted, they're elite soldiers or whatever, but then he's taken on Thanos in Endgame. And yeah. Thanos, so by that logic, you know, elite soldiers should be able to have a fighting chance against Thanos. <laughs> 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 There's something funny about that. Like some rogue Hydra agent is yeah. going to take on Thanos. <laughs> Alright, guys. Let's do it. It's like, we, we were able to hold our own with Cap. Yeah. I think we can last ten minutes in the ring with Thanos. Yeah, there are, there are five of us. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Should, they should do a movie called Contest of Champions where it's just all these... <laughs> Random uh, henchmen fighting Thanos. Batroc the Leper is yeah. going to take Thanos the on. The Leper? The Leper. The Leper? He's French. Batroc the Leper. Oh. Batroc the Leper. The Leper. Batroc the Leper. The Leper, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some cheese with your surrender? <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, how you say, very much. 